Hello everyone, Alexandra Nyamoyabuji here, and this is Una Joa, where we offer minimal actionable responses to important questions in about 15 minutes or less. This is the third installment of a blockchain theme series featuring Cities Group's Ronit Girls. Ronit is Global Head of Banking, Fintech, and Digital Assets for City Global Insights. But before we dive into this week's episode, let's do this. For a chance to earn some African Tech Roundup token, here's a question you need to answer. Which Southern African Central Bank is cooperating with the central banks of Singapore, Malaysia, and Australia as part of a trial being led by the Basel-based Bank for International Settlements, BIS, to test the use of CDBCs for international settlements? Stay listening to the end of the episode for the answer to the question and for how to earn that token. On this podcast, Ronit will address the following questions. What are the most compelling arguments for incumbent financial institutions maintaining control over global money and currency? And how is the notion of digital tokenization being shaped by the global financial services industry? Here's Ronit. The way I would think about it is the term frenemies is a good one. Friends and enemies. It's not zero sum. The parts of it will be zero sum. But the big picture point to mention here is the whole target market or the TAM is expanding. And be it digital generally or blockchain specifically, these new technologies are helping expand formal financial services. When you look at whether it's the African continent or the Indian subcontinent or Southeast Asia or Latin America, what you see is traditional or formal financial services is oftentimes very small relative to the size of society or the economy. I mean, look at the number of people you know, who have bank accounts in Africa uh, versus mobile phones. And you compare that to the US or Europe. And more importantly, look at what they're doing with the bank accounts. Like, is there much money in there? Are there products and services? Are they taking loans? A lot of financial services outside the very biggest companies and the richest families tends to take place inside the non-traditional financial, the informal financial sector. So that's why I use this term frenemies, because digital is helping expand the financial sector, just making it bigger. And that's a good thing. The TAM is expanding. And so that's why through partnerships, traditional financial companies, be it banks or telcos, can partner with fintechs, partner with blockchain or other digital players to get to new clients to provide new services. Typically, I mean, look at some of the problem cases like, you know, cross-border payments, intra-Africa or outside into uh, Africa from the US or Europe. These cross-border rails typically are inefficient or expensive or subject to all kinds of controls. If you're a small business or even a medium-sized business, oftentimes you have huge you know, inefficiencies, a lot of bureaucracy in moving goods and services cross-border. The financial system's not very helpful. And what these new technologies allow you to do is provide you a new option, like an option B, which maybe over time becomes an option A. But I don't think of it as a zero-sum game. Now, in some parts of financial services, Services, clearly incumbents will feel threatened. You know, in many countries, banks have been concerned by the role of telcos. And you've seen this in parts of Africa. After the growth of mobile money in East Africa, in other parts of Africa, in the West and in the North, you saw pushback from 
incumbent banks saying, hey, are these telcos regulated in the same way? Are they held to the same standards? There's often concern or fear, fear of the unknown or fear of an unlevel playing field. Banks sometimes feel that new entrants, be it telcos or tech companies, have less regulation or they have more advantages. So, you know, not all banks see digital or new entrants as a positive. They do see it as sometimes enemies. But increasingly, what we're seeing is across Africa, across the world, banks thinking about this is an opportunity as much as a, as a as much as a threat. And now you're beginning to see banks, you know, you're seeing this in you're seeing this in Nigeria, you're seeing this in other parts of the world. Banks saying, hey, why why can't we have our own fintech? Uh, arms or affiliates or, <laughs> you know, you, you've seen this in South Africa as well and Singapore and Hong Kong, new banks being set up, i.e. new banks that are digitally native, cloud native. So there's a, there's a lot of change going on. The, the, key, the key point I mentioned is that the TAM is going to increase a lot and the share of the TAM that belongs to purely incumbent or traditional banks will shrink, but hopefully it'll be a much bigger market. We've gone through waves in the last few years of excitement and disillusionment around blockchain and financial services. This is not the first wave. Uh, we've been through a few already in this very short number of years. Right now, a lot of the excitement and focus is around cryptocurrencies, decentralized cryptocurrencies and CBDCs. Uh, basically the movement of money. Um, the other part of blockchain that's interesting is obviously the ability to do smart contracts. Because stepping back a level and looking at it down from a sort of more generalized level, remember, what is what is blockchain about? It's about a way of transferring value, storing value, recognizing value. And within this, uh, linked to this is obviously the concept of smart contracts. And in various areas of finance, particularly in trade finance, the idea of smart contracts holds a lot of appeal. So you're seeing banks and one or two banks in South Africa doing this. There are banks I know of in South Africa and in other parts of the world as well, the UK and Asia and America, France, Europe, looking at how can we take what's a relatively old industry, trade finance, <laughs> often very paper-based, very yeah, old and slow. How can we make this faster? Can we use blockchain to make trade finance faster, more accessible? So that's one area. There's a lot of work going on. Still largely in pilot stage in different banks, have to admit, rather than actually in production or in large scale production. But it's interesting to watch. And the other area, as I said, is um, the whole area of cryptocurrencies and CBDCs. Now, cryptocurrency is somewhat challenging or decentralized crypto because many regulators, including many of the major African regulators and central banks are cautious about cryptocurrencies. And one or two of them, they have outright bans on sort of on and off ramps into crypto, which means that if you're a bank, you can't transfer or you can't accept a client transferring, say, Bitcoin into whatever, Naira, whatever currency. So banks will move quite carefully and cautiously in the crypto space because obviously as regulated financial institutions, you have to be 100% compliant with what the regulator wants of you. But in the CBDC space, a project that obviously is, put, is sponsored by central banks, banks can be partners there. And I think it's kind of interesting. Most central banks will not want to disintermediate their commercial banks for financial stability reasons and operational reasons. So I think banks will be looking, commercial banks that is, very carefully in the next few years and how they can be partners with central banks in the CBDC world. Because you're probably going to get a two-tier system, like we're seeing in China, where the token, the CBDC, the underlying technology 
And the token is designed, administered by the central bank with the help of technology providers. And then it's distributed by, if you like, to corporates and retail, distributed by commercial banks and other regulated institutions. So there's going to be, I think, a lot of partnership opportunities. But we're still in, I mean, big picture, we're still in early days. Uh, it'd be interesting, you know, in three to five years to see where we are in terms of the financial, traditional financial sector. The non-regulated financial sector, the non-bank sector is running far ahead of banks when it comes to crypto. And particularly in Africa, P2P is massive. If you look at person-to-person or P2P, Bitcoin transfers, crypto transfers, several African countries are right up there in the top five or top 10 in the world. And that's to that type of business is typically done by local or international specialized institutions, P2P companies, but a super interesting space to watch. Thanks for listening, guys. And here's the answer to this week's proof of play question. Which Southern African central bank is cooperating with the central banks of Singapore, Malaysia, and Australia as part of a trial being led by the Basel-based Bank for International Settlements, BIS, to test the use of CDBCs for international settlements? The answer, according to Quartz Africa, is South Africa. For your chance to earn some African Tech Roundup token, go ahead and fill out the Google form linked in the show notes with your name, email address, seal address, and the correct answer to today's question. If you don't already have a social token wallet and seal address, get with the program by signing up at wallet.socialstack.co. You can share your comment by leaving a 60-second voice note. Until next time, take care.